I want to talk to you about part three. We're in a series we call Facing Your Fears. And I want to talk to you this weekend about fear of failure. Failure is something we fear, yet every one of us has experienced it. It's part of the human experience to take risks at times, and risk always implies the possibility of failure. See, whenever we dare to do new things, like a new job, uh, falling in love, uh, creating a new product, doing something in a new way, we risk failure. In fact, the only way to avoid failure is just never try. And by my book, that's got to be the biggest failure of all. There was a humorous poem that said, there once lived a man who never risked, he never laughed, he never cried, he never tried. Then one day when he passed away, his insurance was denied. They said, well, since this guy never really lived, then he never really died. Boy, how true it is. All of us will experience failure, and everybody will experience the fear of failure. But if you give in to fear, you'll never become what or who God made you to be. Instead, you'll live a life of could have, should have, would have. I remember a story years back of a guy who came to America to learn English. He's very afraid of failing. So he thought, if I fail, these Americans are going to make fun of me. So he said to his English teacher, look, please, I need to order food. So make sure you teach me something I can use that's simple. The teacher says, okay. When you go to a restaurant, say hamburger, french fries, and Coke. You can get it anywhere. It'll never fail. Just give it a try. So the guy practiced hamburger, french fries, Coke, hamburger, french fries, Coke. He practiced it over and over again. And he asked the teacher one more time, are you sure I won't fail if I say those things? Guaranteed, no failure. So sure enough, he goes into a restaurant and the waitress asks, what would you like, sir? Hamburgers, french fries, and Coke. So she brought him the order. Wow, he thought to himself, this is so cool. Well, he went back time and time and time again, saying hamburger, french fries, and Coke. Well, he did that again and again, and always they brought him the right order. No failure. It was great. So with this system, he ate hamburger, french fries, and Coke for the next eight months. Well, growing sick of this diet, he asked the teacher, please teach me something else. He's tired of eating hamburger, french fries, and Coke for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So the teacher says, okay, for breakfast, order eggs, toast, and juice. So he practiced eggs, toast, juice, eggs, toast, juice. He goes back to the restaurant, and when the waitress asked him what he wanted, he said, eggs, toast, and juice. So she asked him, how do you want your eggs? Over easy, medium, scramble, boil, or poach? How about your toast? Do you want white bread, brown bread, wheat bread, rye bread, English muffin, or a bagel? What about your juice? Do you want orange juice, tomato juice, grapefruit juice, guava juice, or passion fruit? And the guy looked at her totally like a ghost and said, hamburger, french fries, and Coke. See, if we're always afraid of failure, you're going to eat hamburgers, french fries, and Coke for the rest of your life. And sadly, a lot of folks decided to live a hamburger, french fries, and Coke life because they are so afraid of failing they never live. They never venture out. You will never please God by playing it safe, ever. The fear of failure is nothing new. 
in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, the master gives one servant five talents, another he gives two, and to another he gives one talent. And before leaving, the master says, okay, boys, invest your money, do something with it, will you? And by the way, he didn't tell them how to invest it, where to invest it. He wanted them to initiate. And I tell Christians, initiate, be creative. God doesn't put a restriction on you. Well, when the master returns, he calls the three servants in and says, give me an account. How have you used my money? The first guy says, well, you gave me five talents. I invested and gained five more. And in Matthew 25, verse 21, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The other steward came and said, Lord, you gave me two talents. I've gained two more. I did something with what you gave me. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then in verse 23, the guy with one talent is so afraid of failure, he buried his one talent. He put it in the ground. And can I pause a moment to say, let's make that today. He came to church, sat in the pew, but he never gave, he never served, he never offered to help anybody else. He was totally obsessed in himself. He never took a risk. He never dared. He never did anything but drive to church, sit in the pew, and go home, and his life sucked. Can I just use that? So he goes and digs up his one talent and says, here, master, here's the one talent you gave me. I was afraid I might fail. I went and hid your talent in the ground. So here, you get back what you gave me. And look at the master's response in verse 26. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy, unprofitable servant. That's a pretty harsh statement, huh? Are you productive? How would the Lord assess you with what he's given you, huh? It is harsh. You bet it is. But do you know what it says? That's exactly what God thinks of us when we play it safe. When we're so afraid of failing and we don't count the fact God will uphold us, we don't risk. We don't try. We don't venture. No risk, no reward. In fact, no risk, no nothing. The Bible says you cannot please God by playing it safe. Your life will end up barren, devoid of any productivity. See, faithfulness is not maintaining. It's increasing what God put in your hand, whether much or little. That's interesting. It is, well, I never got drunk. I never committed adultery. I never, I never took from anybody. But you didn't do what I gave you a talent to do. I've given you time. I've given you talent. I've given you treasure. And you just kept it. You haven't invested it at all. You just buried it. Give it back. Wow. So God says through this parable in Matthew 25, you'll never please God as a believer playing it safe. So how can I overcome my fear of failure? Number one, remember first that everybody fails. Failure is no big, de big deal. It's just universal. The failure rate of the human race is 100%. See, if we had a club for failures, we would all qualify. Jack Gilbert seems to know something about failure. This quote is from an article entitled, Failures of the World Rejoice. Your day is coming. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. 
And if you still don't succeed, call Jack Gilbert and tell him you want to join the celebration. Well, who's Jack Gilbert? Well, he was a businessman and a writer. He proclaimed August the 15th as National Failures Day. It was meant to honor all people who have experienced failure in the pursuit of a noble dream, an unconventional idea, or a far-reaching goal, focusing attention on famous flops. National Failures Day could encourage people to continue with a renewed determination to pursue their hopes, their dreams, and their aspirations. Everybody fails. It is a natural part of life. James 3, verse 2, says, We all stumble in many ways. Now listen to Romans 3, verse 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's pretty inclusive, isn't it? Everybody has sinned. Everybody has failed. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Everybody. Now, you know, sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm not as bad as him. Well, you know, I haven't murdered anybody. That's like going to a morgue and looking at three bodies, and one of, them, one of them's been dead three minutes, one's been dead three months, and one's been dead three years. By asking a stupid question, who's the deadest? Hey, they're all dead. And when you sin, you come short. Little sin, big sin, great sin, doesn't matter. You come short, you fail. So you know what it takes to be, I guess, a superior baseball player, an all-star? You got to strike out 700 times out of 1,000 times at bat. Only 300 hits out of 1,000 makes you a baseball superstar. I mean, a batting average of 300 is off the chart and draws a big paycheck, too. See, we all fail. It's no big deal. In fact, you learn more about life through your failure because it teaches you what won't get you to your goal. At least it should teach you, right? I realize there are some people who never learn, but in general, it won't get me the results I want, so I've got to try something else. It's a teacher. And second, <laughs> realize that failure is never final. Failure is neither fatal nor final. In fact, the fear of failure is usually worse than the experience itself. Listen to Proverbs 24, verse 16. <clears throat> A righteous man falls seven times, but rises again. Even good guys and gals stumble and fail. The righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. What's the lesson? If you've fallen down, get back up. He doesn't stay down camping around the fire of failure. He just gets back up. So you got two choices, give up or get back up. What if you're stumbling because you're rejecting God and being stubborn and foolish? You're denying God. You're not cooperating with him. Well, that's being foolish. And God says the remedy to that failure is repent. But if you've received Jesus and you're trying to do your best to serve and honor God, but you still stumble, you run into walls, you occasionally fail short, God says, don't worry. Romans 8, verse 28, because God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. See, when I goof up and stumble while I'm trying my best to walk according to God's will, God says, don't worry about it in the least. Why, Rick? I'll work those mistakes around for good, and I'll turn them into a blessing for you. Just don't give up. 
and then learn from your failure. You know, the message here is pretty simple. If you're erring on the side of unrighteousness, repent right away. Ask the Lord for forgiveness. But if you're erring on the side of righteousness and you make a mistake or you blow it, keep right on going. Learn from your failure and move on. Don't camp around guilt and shame and condemnation. Did you know that George Washington lost two-thirds of the battles in the American Revolution before he finally won the war and became president of the United States of America? He lost two-thirds of the battles. Did you know that Napoleon graduated 42nd in a class of 43 students and he went on to conquer Europe? Until Hank Aaron beat his record, Babe Ruth held the world record in home runs. He was first to be called the home run king. But did you also know that not only did he hit 714 home runs, but he struck out 1,336 times. And yet he wasn't known as a strikeout king because he never gave up. Roger Bannister, an Englishman from the you know, the UK from England had a great comeback. I love his story. No man had ever run the mile under four minutes. Roger Bannister tried to get on the Oxford track team and he had a hard time. He was only 17 years old and it was right after World War II. So all the vets were coming back to college and they were all four or five years older. So Roger shoveled snow all winter to try and win their heart and approval. So the team convinced the coach to put Roger on, on the team. He was fast, and he quickly broke old records. The British had a new star. <clears throat> so old Roger, always in the news. The Brits were frustrated because they couldn't get a gold medal in the Olympics. So Bannister became the great hope of Britain. It was 1952, Helsinki, Finland. The gun was fired. <clears throat> On the first lap, Bannister was in fifth place. On the second lap, he moved up to fourth. On the third lap, he moved up to third. On the fourth lap and final lap, he gave his famous kick on the straightaway. And Bannister didn't get the gold, the silver, or the bronze. He was 20 yards behind the pack when they crossed the finish line. The London Daily Mirror, which was distributed to over six and a half million people, ran this headline, Bannister Fails. How would you like to wake up and read that. Two years later, May 6, 1954, Epley Field at Oxford, England, on a cold, rainy day. Roger had concluded the only way to erase that headline of failure was to do the impossible. Scientists had said for a long time it was physiologically impossible to run a mile under four minutes. Couldn't be done. It would never happen. So that's what Bannister decided he'd have to do. So the gun was fired, and Chris Brasher was out like a rabbit. That was his job, to keep Bannister on a record-breaking fast pace for two laps. And two laps later, the announcer told the audience that Chris Brasher and Roger Bannister had just broken the world record in the one-half mile. Well, the audience now jumped to its feet absolute silence. As Bannister rounded the last turn, people said it was like watching in slow motion. As Rogerster broke the tape, it was over. The crowd waited, stood in silence for over three minutes in the cold rain. Then the announcer gave the time, three minutes, 59 seconds. 
Bannister was back. The barrier was broken. The scientists were wrong. You can come back after a setback. Failure is not final, and it doesn't have to be fatal. Galatians 6, verse 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we don't quit, if we don't grow weary. You will reap, just don't give up. Most people quit too soon. When you learn through failure, you can become a success through failure. Falling down is part of the pathway to success and learning. God will use your time on the ground to build you up. How does a baby learn to walk? <sighs> Falling all over the place. But if the baby tried to walk and fell, how stupid would it be for the parents to assume the baby would never walk again? No. You learn, hopefully, through failure. It's an old story, but it fits well. At age seven, his parents were evicted from their home. They couldn't make the payments. At age nine, his mother died. He had to go to work to help support the family. At 22, he lost his job as a store clerk. He wanted to go to school, but his education wasn't good enough. At 23, he went into debt to become a partner in a store. Three years later, his partner died, leaving all their joint debt to him. At 28, he proposed to a lady. She rejected him. At 37, he ran for Congress and failed. Two years later, he tried again and failed. Later, he had a nervous breakdown. At 41, after being married, his son died. The following year, he ran for land officer and lost. At 45, he ran for the Senate and lost. Two years later, he ran for vice president and lost. He tried for the Senate again and lost. Then at 51, he was elected 16th president of the United States. Abraham Lincoln was one of our great presidents. A life of consistent, constant failure, but he kept going. Most of us quit and give up too soon. Thank God he didn't quit. Sometimes the pathway to God's greatest desire for your life will be riddled with failure, with ups and downs. Don't quit. It's part of life. Don't make failure into such a big deal or you'll sabotage your own future. Number three, recognize there are benefits, yeah, there are, to failure. Listen to Psalms 119, verse 67. David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. How many people have come to accept Jesus Christ after massive failure? You know, at first we think we can do life on our own. We can overcome this addiction. We can deal with this problem. We can make it work, and we struggle and struggle, and then we're driven to our knees. Never, ever despise anything that takes you to your knees. Sometimes failure is what brings people to the Lord. So there are some benefits to failure. Let me give you three of them. Failure will educate you. Thomas Edison had, what, 10,000 failures before he perfected the incandescent light bulb. He was trying to develop a filament that electricity could run through. His filaments would glow for a little bit, but then they would just burn out because anything that burns eats itself up as fuel. Well, he tried different wire filaments, different chemical compounds, different coatings, over and over. 10,000 ways to keep that thing burning. 
but he didn't work. As soon as the filament would light up, it would go poof. So he had to find another way of keeping that thing burning longer. Then he remembered what fire requires to keep burning, oxygen. If you remove oxygen from a flame, what happens? It goes out. So he said, I've got to take the oxygen away from the filament so that the electricity can run through without burning up. So he put a glass tube over the filament, sealed it at the bottom, sucked out the oxygen, then he put the electricity to it, and voila, the thing burned and burned and burned. Why? Because there was no oxygen in that glass tube to cause the filament to burn itself out. Our light bulbs today are basically the same thing. A glass tube over a filament with the air sucked out of it. That's why when you break a light bulb, it pops. That sound comes because of the vacuum. And look today at all the benefits of incandescent light bulbs. Thank God he didn't quit. Thank you, Thomas Edison, for light bulbs. He refused to give up after over 10,000 attempts. He's a perfect example of how failure can educate us. You know, it's summit around here. We try something over our years and Maybe it doesn't work, so we scrap it. We try something else. And when God sees you doing that, he says, hey, go for it. I'll work out the mistakes for good. Keep your heart desirous to serve me. You know, make it happen with your life. Give it to me. Give it a try. I'll take all those mistakes, turn them around for blessings. And that's what we do. Failure also helps us discover our true talents. Nathaniel Hawthorne was one of America's great writers. He was once a customs clerk, but he hated his job. He wanted to write, but he didn't have the time. So one day, he got fired from his job. Despondent, he went home, laid his head on the kitchen table, and said, I can't even provide for my family. I am such a failure. Well, his wife got a ream of paper, some ink, a quill, and she said, well, honey, you always wanted to write, but you didn't have the time. Well, now you've got the time. And Nathaniel Hawthorne penned many books, among them The Scarlet Letter, one of the greatest books of American literature. How many people do you know who failed at one thing only to discover something else that made them successful? Listen, my advice to you from an old mentor of mine is try lots of things to find out what you're good at. It's, don't, it's, it's a learning curve. You're not going to be good at everything. Maybe even something you went to college or uh, took some educational courses for. It's okay. It will direct you ultimately into what God made you for. But you won't know till you try a number of things. I think of Ray Kroc. He failed at real estate. Then he tried sales. And at about 57 years old, he drives out to... San Jose, California, he sees a hamburger stand packed with customers and two brothers who owned it whose last names happened to be McDonald. And Croc later bought into that partnership and then ultimately bought them out and turned that hamburger stand into a world-renowned fast food chain. Think about Colonel Harlan Sanders. He failed at almost everything. He sold tires. At age 67, he started to do what he always wanted to do, which was to cook chicken under pressure. He had a cafe on a, on a highway, 
the, the city put an interstate highway around it, the business dried up, and he was forced to try something else. Little did this old man on Social Security know that was the key to a great future boom called Kentucky Fried Chicken. And he began to sell that recipe for a franchise fee out of the back of his old car. Failure can be a school teacher to help you discover what you're good at, what your true talent is. And I'll tell you something else failure does. It makes you less judgmental. In fact, it should. You don't believe everything you read in the media about people. When you fail, you become a lot more sympathetic, sensitive, and kind to others. When you fail, your arrogance should be restrained. And if there's no other reason for failing except learning to be a little more gracious and merciful to others when they fail, that's a great reason. So you can see there are lots of benefits to failure. Fourth thing, redefine failure. Some people think they are a failure because they didn't make a sale or a certain amount of money or grow a church to a certain size, or a company to a certain size, or because they lost a job. But let's redefine failure. Failure is not that you didn't arrive at your goal. Failure is when you don't even make the effort. How often when we fall down do we refuse to set any more goals? Failure is not when I stumble in my walk with Jesus. Failure is if I never intend to have a good walk with Jesus. Somebody put it this way. I would rather attempt to do something great for God and fail than plan to do nothing and succeed. So redefine failure. Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, chapter 3, verse 12. He writes, I realize that all we can do is be happy and do the best we can while we still are alive. That's it. Do the best I can do. You know, God doesn't ask you to be the best. He always asks you to do your best. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. O Tim says, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. See, God doesn't ask you to be the best, folks. Just do the best you can with what he's given you. God is not looking for people who want to be famous. He's looking for people who will be faithful. You know, the foolproof way to overcome and override failure is to make the motivation for everything you try to do love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, love never fails. If you love your family and you love God and you come up short, God says, I'm going to turn that thing around for your good. Why? Because love never fails. But if I'm doing anything out of selfish ambition or my own ego and pride and I mess up, well, goody for me. Proverbs 14, 4 says, where there's no oxen, you have a clean stall. But much increase comes by the strength of the ox. Now, listen to the application. If your whole goal in life is to keep a clean floor, then just make sure there's nothing there. Don't do anything. Don't try anything. Don't build anything. Don't get married. Don't have kids. If your whole goal is to have a clean floor, no mess, you'll get nothing. But if you want to make something out of your life, you're going to have to deal with some poop, mess. Don't be afraid of mess. At least it tells you something's alive. So you can't produce something. There's no productivity with no ox. 
If there's productivity, there'll be some messes. Just clean it up. Just make certain your goals and motivation is love. And when you do what you do out of love, you never fail because love never fails. And then number five, replace fear with faith in Christ. Philippians 4, verse 13. Paul says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power of what? By the power of transcendental meditation, by the power of drugs, by the power of alcohol, by the power of anger, by the power of my money. No, I have strength to face every adversity by the power that Christ gives me. See, the answer to overcoming the fear of failure is not a program. It's a person, and his name is Jesus. Psalms 56.3, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in God. And boy, we've asked people to do that during this coronavirus pandemic, and I've never seen such failure and, and uh, I don't know, panic in people. And Paul says, look, when fear comes to you, and it comes to everybody, put your hope and your trust in God. And that's exactly what we do. See, you put your trust in God. Set great goals. Make sure your motivation is love. Then go for it. Give it all you got. Realize that everybody fails. Nothing new. But failure is not final. Redefine it. Failure is not when you stumble trying to serve God. It's when you never intend to serve God at all. So redefine failure. At least you're trying, right? And when God sees that heart, he will turn around everything that the devil may, you know, define as failure and turn it around for good and turn it into a blessing for you. Are you af maybe afraid of failing as a parent? Are you afraid of failing as a spouse? Are you afraid of failing as a provider? Are you afraid of failing as a single person? You know, some of us have a spiritual fear. Some people do. And they say, well, Rick, I'm afraid to commit myself completely to Jesus. Why? Well, Rick, if I commit my life to Jesus, I'm afraid I might blow it. Let me let you in on a secret. Count on it. You will blow it at times. We all mess up. We all sin. But God is looking at our heart. Keep your heart right. Set it on God. And you'll watch that obstacle of fear of failure tumble and fall and not rise again. God is for you. Don't be afraid to fail. Be afraid not to try. And then put your hope in God. So during any crisis we've ever faced, whether as a church, whether as a family, whether as a leader, my ultimate confidence is God who said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That which I have begun in you, I will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. I will not fail you. Now that ought to not puff you up in pride, but puff you up in boldness to say, bring it on. My hope is not in my strength, my righteousness, my ability. It's in my God, and He's bigger than anything. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.